can be a help. I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week, you made another week, another week of health and life and the chance to be here tonight. I pray that you would use this time to speak to our hearts. Lord, that it be a help. I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week, you may remember, we began looking in chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians. In doing so, we watched as the Apostle Paul wrote of the transition that he was looking forward to making from this life to the next. He was looking forward to trading in this this mortal body for the immortal, the glorified body, and he was looking to trade the tabernacle uh, for that permanent dwelling place that he would have there in heaven. And we noticed in verse number four of last week the reason that he was so looking forward to that transition. He said that it was there that mortality would be swallowed up or devoured of life. And what Paul understood was this, is whenever he made his way into heaven, whenever he entered there, all the burdens and all the cares and all the trials of this life would finally be done, and he would know life in in a way that he had never experienced it before. And so last week I just tried to remind us that though we are sometimes hesitant or resistant to change, uh, it really is going to be a wonderful transition when we leave this life and enter into the next because we'll get to lay down our burdens once and for all, Everything that's been a concern to us over the years will no longer have to be a concern to us. And so while it may be something we're not real excited about right now because we enjoy this life, it is still something we can look forward to. And so that's what we dealt with last week. Tonight we're going to look at just a couple verses. I want to begin this evening by talking about something that may not be true of everyone, but I would suspect it's been true of most of us at least at one time in our lives. I think many of us, we have certain days or certain moments marked on the calendar of our lives, things that we are looking forward to. You understand what I'm saying? That, that in our lives, it, it may not be important to anyone else. It may not be significant to anyone else. But on our calendar, so to speak, we have certain days that we are looking forward to. To try to illustrate that, just real quickly, I was thinking of this. Sometimes if you've got a trip planned, well, you kind of have to know when you're taking the trip, right? And so you put that on your calendar, and it's something for however long it's planned. You look at that, and you anticipate it, and you're mindful of it. You're aware of it. On this day, we're leaving, and we'll be gone this long. Again, it's something that we're looking forward to. It's something that we're anticipating. You may not be the type of person who likes to get away, but maybe you're the type of person who likes it when people come in. You know, somebody is coming into town to visit, and so you mark that on your calendar. They're going to be here, and I'm looking forward to that, and I'm excited about it. They're going to stay for X number of days. You may say, nope, I don't look forward to company coming in. But you might say, I'm looking forward to retirement, and you're looking ahead to that. And on your calendar of your life, so to speak, you've got that day kind of marked in your mind as to when it'll be. And as we've got all these dates in mind, as we've got all these dates marked on the calendar in in one form or another, I, I want us to think about this, that many times that date on the calendar motivates us to do other things. You ever thought about that? Sometimes that date on the calendar motivates us to do other things. I don't know if you've ever heard somebody say something like this, but before I go on vacation, I need to lose some weight. 
because I know I'm going to gain some weight while I'm on vacation, so I need to lose it before I go. So there's a little bit of motivation to, to lose some pounds so you don't feel worse whenever you come back. You may say something like this, well, if I'm going to take that trip, I've got to get everything ready before we go. And, and so it may be something that you would otherwise overlook or not be real worried about, but because of this trip coming up, you're motivated now to get this done or to get this taken care of and make sure everything's in working order. If family's coming into town, I've heard things like this. We've experienced this at our, at the, we've experienced this at our house before. Well, if company's coming in, we need to get this project done. We don't want this still in the process of being done when they get here. So that serves as motivation. If you're looking forward to retirement, then obviously you know what's kind of motivating you there. You need to have enough money to retire. And so that's what you're looking forward to, and that's what you're working toward. And all these different things, I may not have hit on something that you can identify with specifically, but you understand the principle that if there is this date on the calendar, something we're looking forward to, it oftentimes motivates us to get certain things done in light of that. So that in mind, I just want us to think about one more thing, and then we'll get to the text. But I want us to think about this, that no matter what is on our calendar today for the future, none of us are guaranteed that we will see that date or that event come to pass. Susie and I, because I'm a planner, because I like to look long-term at things, Right now, we've got a trip booked for six months from now, and it's something that if you were to say, well, what are you doing? I could say, this is what we're planning on doing. This is what we're thinking about. And if you were to ask me, are you excited about it? I'd say, well, yeah, I'm excited about it. I'm looking forward to it. That's why we went ahead and booked it. But, but you would also be able to say to me, and rightfully so, you do realize, right, that you may never take that trip? And the answer to that is, yes, I do realize that, that there is many different things or there are many different things that could come up that could keep me from taking that trip, from doing that activity. And the same is true for you, no matter what it is that you may be looking forward to, you are not guaranteed that you will ever get to enjoy what it is that's on the calendar. So that all said, that in mind, I want us to think about the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul, we just looked at last week, eight verses that show us that the Apostle Paul was mindful of the fact that one day his life would come to a close. Okay, this is important that we see this, that Paul was mindful of the fact that he knew that one day his life would come to an end, it would come to a close, mortality would be swallowed up by life. Paul understood this, that he had an appointment with death. Because every person has an appointment with death. And so while Paul may not have worded it this way, while Paul may not have expressed it this way, you know what Paul realized? That there was an event on the calendar of his life at some point in the future and that event would be his death. Because Paul knew he was going to die. In light of that, here is what Paul also knew. That while he may have many other events planned in his mind, maybe on a calendar, so to speak, in a loose sense, 
Paul knew this, that whenever it came, his time or his appointment to die, that was something that was not going to be skipped. That was something that would not be bypassed. That was an appointment he was going to keep. You realize this, don't we? Okay. Paul understood of everything that he might have planned in life, there was coming a day that he would die and there would be no avoiding that day. I think if the Apostle Paul were here with us tonight and able to visit, able to speak to us, I think one of the things that he would want to remind us of is this, is that we too, of all the things we have planned for our lives, we better realize that somewhere on the calendar out there is an appointment with death. Are we hearing this? Every one of us have an appointment with death. It is already on the calendar. And we will not reschedule that one. We will not say, well, you know, I'm going to postpone that one, or no, I'm going to expedite that one. No, if we live as we're supposed to, it is already on the calendar, and we will meet that date, whatever it is, because every one of us have an appointment with death. There's something else that the Apostle Paul understood. He understood that every one of us have on the calendar of our lives, so to speak, this appointment where we will stand before God. Paul knew that. Paul knew just as sure as he knew anything else that just as one day I will die, one day on the calendar of eternity, I'm going to stand before the Lord. How do we know that Paul believed that and understood that? Well, notice in verse number 10 what he said. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 10, here's what Paul said. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. I know that most of you know this. Maybe every one of you know this, but just to make sure that we know this. In this particular instance, in this particular scenario that Paul is referencing, the subject at hand will not be whether or not a person is saved. At this particular judgment, at this particular event that will one day take place in the future, this is not dealing with whether or not a person is saved and where they will spend eternity. But as we'll see in just a moment, this judgment is dealing with what the believer did with the life they were given. So he says in verse number 10, for we must... What does it mean whenever Paul says, for we must? Well, what he is saying is this, is it is certain. This is going to happen. Paul knew that it was going to happen to him, that he was going to have to appear. He was going to have to make an appearance 
Before the judgment seat of Christ, Paul knew he had to stand before God one day. And he said in verse number 10 to the believers of Corinth, For we must all appear. What was he reminding the believers of Corinth about? He was reminding them of this, that believers in Corinth, it is as true for you as it is for me. Paul is saying to the believers of Corinth, not only will it be me who stands before the Lord, it will be you who stands before the Lord, and it is a judgment seat. This is something you will have to do. You will have to stand before God and give an account for your life. Now, if Paul said that of himself, and if he said that it was true of every one of them, well, how many of us think that that it's probably safe to assume that that will also be true of us. That we will stand before Christ at the judgment seat, not to have our salvation determined in that moment, but again, to have it determined and evaluated openly and honestly as to what we did with the life God gave us. As sure as I am that one day I am going to die outside of the rapture, you know what I need to be just as sure of? That one day I'm going to stand before the Lord. And if you would sit here tonight and you would say this, I know one day I'm going to die. I know one day that I'm going to take my last breath and enter into eternity then something you need to know as clearly as you know that is this, is that you are going to stand before the Lord one day. And he says in verse number 10, past that, whenever he said, we'll all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, he said that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Now, I know this is somewhat repetitive. I know that this is somewhat maybe tedious or, or, or you know, not real exciting. But I want us to, to think about this. What I do in this body, I will have to give an answer for. Whether it be good, whether it be right, whether it be godly, whether it be wholesome, what it's supposed to be, or whether it be bad, whether it be ungodly, un, uh, unrighteous, or, or however else you would like to describe it, I am going to have to give an account for everything I've done in my body. Paul said it was true of him, it was true of the believers of Corinth, and it will be true of me. Everything I do in the years that God has given me, I'll give an answer for it. You will give an answer for it. Not one of us will be able to say, well, I'm going to bypass that one. Well, I'm, I'm going to skip that date on my calendar. I, I'm, I'm not going to do that. No, every one of us, we will die unless the rapture takes place. But regardless of how we enter into eternity, we will stand before Christ. So if you would, for just a moment, think about this. Paul is looking forward to that transition into glory, correct? Right. 
He's looking for that time when the mortal will be devoured up by life. He is fully aware that he will give an account and be rewarded according to how he has lived the life he has lived. And looking forward to that date, you know what it did? It motivated him. It served as a source of motivation to him. Just like I want to be ready for this. Just like you want to be ready for this. Just like you want to be prepared when this date comes. Whatever it is you are doing. The Apostle Paul was looking at his life with the realization, one day I will stand before God. And as a result of that realization that one day he would stand before the Lord who created him and saved him, he said, you know what? That truth motivates me. Well, how was he motivated? Well, sandwiched in between verses 1 through 8 and verse number 10, obviously we have verse number 9. So notice what he said. He said, Wherefore we labor. Wherefore we labor. What, what does it mean to labor? It means to strive for something. So Paul said that he is striving for something in light of the fact that he will one day transition and stand before the Lord. He said, we labor or we strive that whether present or absent, regardless of how this is, whether it be in this life or whenever I stand before the Lord, here is what I want it to be, that we may be accepted of him. So in this life, Paul said, while I live this life in the flesh, and whenever I look forward to the day that I will stand before Christ, here is what I'm striving for that I will be accepted of him. Now understand, please, Paul is not suggesting even for a moment that hopefully if everything goes right, I'll be good enough and God will accept me. That's not what Paul is talking about. This word accepted, all it means is this, is that he might be well-pleasing of him or to him. What was Paul's motivation in light of death and in light of standing before the Lord? This is what he wanted. This is what he was striving for. This is what he was worried about. This was on his mind that my life might be, might be well-pleasing to God. Paul, what are you worried about? Paul, what are you mindful of? Paul, what kind of consumes your thoughts? Honestly, I just want to be well-pleasing in the sight of God. I want God to be pleased with me. How I live this life and whenever I stand before Him, I want God to be pleased with me. That was his burden, that was his desire, and knowing he would stand before the Lord, he was motivated 
that his life be well-pleasing in the sight of the Lord. So as I was thinking about this, as I was contemplating this, trying to put all the thoughts together, I asked myself this question. What could Paul do that he might be well-pleasing in the sight of the Lord? If Paul desired to be well-pleasing in the sight of the Lord, then what must he do if he's going to labor, if he's going to strive for this, what must he do? And it really boils down to this. The only thing that Paul could do in order to be well-pleasing in the sight of God was to be obedient to God's will because that is the only thing ultimately that God is worried about. The only thing that Paul could do to live a life that would be well-pleasing in the sight of God when he stood before the Lord that day and was rewarded according to the works of his flesh, the life that he had been given, the only way that he could be well-pleasing is if he had lived a life of obedience. It didn't matter if Paul accomplished something over here if it was outside of the will of God. It didn't matter if Paul accomplished something over here if it was outside the will of God. It didn't matter if Paul did something else that the people loved and the people praised if it was outside the will of God. The only thing that would be able to please God in the end is if he had lived a life of obedience to the will of God. And so that brought me to these series of thoughts that I'm going to share with you for just a couple of moments. I hope it's a help. I, I do. But I want us to think about this. How many of us tonight could honestly, genuinely, sincerely suggest that we go through life with an awareness that we will one day stand before the Lord. I'm not saying you don't. I'm just saying, do you? Here's where I fall on the matter. Sometimes. You know, some days I'm, I'm fully aware of the fact that I will stand before the Lord one day. And there are other days that I, I can go throughout my day and not really be mindful of the fact that I'll give an answer for this. Or I'll give an answer for this. Or I'll give an answer for this. Or I'll give an answer for this. And so I, I'm not saying I know the answer for you. I'm just saying I know the answer for me. That I try to remember that I'll stand before the Lord one day. But I don't always remember that I'll stand before the Lord one day. But here is what I have discovered Whenever I remember I'll stand before the Lord, it kind of motivates me. Because whenever I think in light of eternity, 
And the fact that I'll one day stand before God and give an account for everything I have done in this body that he has given me, whenever I think about that and I'm as mindful of it as I ought, it really does make me want to live better than I otherwise would. I do in that moment or in those days want my life to be well-pleasing to him. I'm not worried about whether or not he has accepted me for salvation. That's already been taken care of. But in that moment, whenever I am thinking about me standing before him, giving an account for how I lived every aspect of this life, it really does motivate me to make sure that my life is pleasing to him. I'm just asking you. Do you live with that reality in mind? I can't be critical of you if you say, well, sometimes, because I just admitted that's where I'm at. But you may have to be honest and sit here and say, you know, Brother Kyle, if I just had to be honest before you and before God, which I don't have to before you, but I do have to before God, You know, if I answered that question honestly, I'd have to say it's something I never really think about. I can go days and weeks and months and never think about the fact that I'll give an account for what I've done in this life. I'm just saying we ought to. We need to. Because that day is on our calendar, whether we realize it or not. And that should motivate us to live in such a way that we will be accepted of him or that our lives would be well-pleasing to him. So if we already are mindful of it, or if we would admit I need to be more mindful of it, then the question could be this. What do I need to do to be well-pleasing in his sight? The same thing that only the Apostle Paul could do. And that's be obedient to his will for your life. The only thing that I can do in order to be well-pleasing in the sight of God is for me to be obedient to God's will and God's desire for my life. It doesn't matter if I do this if it's outside of God's will for my life. It doesn't matter if I do this if it's outside of God's will for my life. It doesn't matter if I accomplish this and other people praise me for this if it's outside of God's will for my life. The only way that my life will be well-pleasing to Him is if I live in obedience And the only way your life will be well-pleasing is if you live in obedience to God's will and God's plan for your life. It doesn't matter if you do this, you do this, you do this, or you accomplish this, or you achieve this, or whatever it may be. If you do all these things outside of God's will for your life, your life is not pleasing to the Lord. 
And you'll have to stand before the Lord and give an answer for that. I know I've thought about this before, and I know I've expressed this before, but, you know, it's kind of like the child that many of us have raised. We're pleased with them when they walk in obedience to us, right? But if we tell them to clean up their room and they disregard that, but they clean out our car, as great as it was for them to clean out our car, that's not what we told them to do. So therefore, we're not pleased with their actions. Friends, the same would be true of us. If this is what the Lord has said, if this is how the Lord has led, if this is what God has revealed to be His will for our lives, and we do something else, though noble it may seem, we're still not pleasing the Lord. There's only one way in which we can please the Lord, and it's the same way that Paul had to do it and anyone else. It's when we live in obedience to His will. And tonight, just going to be honest with you, I have no desire to try to run through a list and ask you, are you doing this? Are you doing this? What about this? What about this? What about that? Because at the end of the day, here's what we know. We know whether or not we're living in obedience to God's will for our lives. It goes back to the clear conscience that I preached about Sunday night. Whenever we're living in obedience to God's will for our lives, you know what comes with it? A clear conscience. We know whether or not we're living in obedience or disobedience. If the conscience is not clear, then we can know without doubt we're not living in obedience like we ought to be. But if the conscience is clear, then there is good reason to suspect that we are living in obedience. But if you're not sure, like, man, I just don't know. Is this right? Is this right? Is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Is this how we're supposed to be living? Is this the direction we're supposed to be taking? If you're not sure as to whether or not you're living in obedience, you know how you can find out real quick? Just ask Him. Just ask Him. Lord, am I right with you? Lord, is this where I'm supposed to be? Lord, is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Lord, is this how I'm supposed to be living? God, is this what's supposed to, to, to be my focus right now? All we've got to do if we're not sure, all we've got to do is ask Him. You know why? The Holy Spirit will let us know, usually immediately, if there's something that needs to be changed. I've done it. I'm sure many of you have done it before. But I've gone to the Lord before and I've said, Lord, is there anything standing between me and you? And it's almost like the Lord said, I thought you would never ask. Here it is. Well, Lord, that was from seven years ago. Right. I'm just saying. We're going to stand before the Lord. It's on the calendar. It's going to happen whether we're excited about it or not. That ought to motivate us to be well-pleasing in the sight of the Lord. 
We know whether or not we're living in obedience by what the conscience tells us through the witness of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And if we're not worried about it, we're probably not where we ought to be. And we probably ought to get a little bit more concerned about that meeting. Only you know, only you can answer before God. But it's something that ought to concern us, and it's something that ought to be it's something that ought to be on our radar, something that we're mindful of. Let's all stand tonight and bow our heads for prayer. Fathers, I come to you this evening. I pray that you would bless the effort to preach your word. I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to be reminded tonight that the only way our lives can be well-pleasing in your sight whenever we stand before you is when we walk in obedience to your will for our lives. It doesn't matter what else we do, what else we accomplish. Those things do not matter if it's outside of your will. I pray that you'd help us to remember that tonight to be mindful of it, to live in light of it. I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen.